show me your glory. Because, <laughs> Lord, that's what you want to do with us this morning. You want to show us the magnitude, the magnificence of just who you are in your glory. And, Lord, you sum it up so well. You sum it up so perfectly. You sum it up in one word. And we're going to look at that this morning. But, Heavenly Father, your, your proper working this morning is what we want to step into. Your proper working, your word, what it is that you want us to respond to, Lord, we submit to that this morning. God, I pray for a, a, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this moment right now. Lord, that we would step in in this moment right now. We've never done this today. We've done it before, but we've never done it today. And Lord, today you have something for each one of us in here, not only on an individual level, level but a corporate level. Lord, you want to encounter, you want to have a relationship with us this morning. So Lord, I pray that you will prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts for this message, for this word, God. I pray that it's God-breathed. I pray that it, it comes by the Spirit. Lord, and when we walk out of here, we can understand the significance, the magnitude of your glory. Lord, we need you this morning. So I just pray that you would be here and that we would be courageous enough to respond when you say move. So we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Y'all can be seated. For once, I don't know about you guys, but it's kind of warm in here, you know? I got the heater on, so it's not a bad thing. Well, welcome this morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's always good to, good to see you. Um, I just have to start right off the top by saying, um, in preparation for this message, uh, a lot of times you can spend hours and hours, and this is one of those ones where you, you write stuff down and you get all your thoughts together, and then the moment you step up, the Lord's like, okay, we're going to change it on you. We're still coming out of the word, hallelujah, still coming from scripture, but this song, Show Me Your Glory, it, it, it is so fitting for, for what is going to be brought this morning. We've been going through the book of Haggai, and where we are at right now in Scripture is is Haggai 2, verse 9. We went through, um, I put verse 8 in there because I, I, I feel like it's something that needs to be touched on just a little bit before we, we move on. But what we see here is that this is a bookend um, to a thought, to a prophecy. So what I have to do with this Scripture is we're going to, we're going to, kind of go, not in depth, go back through verses 1 through 9, but just kind of see what the Lord was saying up until now. We're going to finish this thought, and then my dad next week is going to jump up here um, and start the next one. So that's kind of what it's going to look like this morning. But again, talking about this song, Show Me Your Glory, that is totally and completely what this message is about. It's about his glory, and it's about one more thing. It's about peace. It's about his peace. That's the title of the message this morning. Uh, so this is, again, a bookend of such, and I'm going to treat it like that. Because when the Lord finishes this thought, he finishes it with something that is, huh, it's huge. I feel like as we have gone through 
this scripture I put out in front of you guys, one major thing that I keep kind of referring back to, like the Lord speaks to us according to who we are. Why don't we do the same thing? Well, he's, he's speaking to us according to who he is at the end of this verse, the end of this thought. He's saying, look, I've taught you all of these things. I brought you to this place. Now I'm going to tell you who, who, who I am, exactly who I am. And it's something that I hope that as we walk out of this place, when we, when we think about Christ, when we think about who he is, this is what we say. And it does one thing for us. It allows us to step in to something that I like to touch on a lot, and it's warfare, <laughs> spiritual warfare, which is real. It's very, very real. But the statement I'm going to make to you guys this morning, it's going to seem, di- the, the, two st- the, the first part of the statement, second part of the statement are going to seem diametrically opposed to each other, but they're not. And when we get to the end of Haggai 9, the verse 9, you will see how connected they are, but The statement is you are able to war in the spirit. You are able to step into spiritual warfare because of peace. And you're kind of like warfare, peace. Those two don't mix. Usually when there's war, there is no peace. And when there's peace, there is no war. But that's not what the Lord is saying with these verses. You You are able to step into fighting for your family, fighting for your kids, fighting for your wife, your husband fighting for um, ground in, in the heavenlies, if we want to say that, because of peace. Amen? So let's, let's just read Haggai 2, 8 and 9, and we're just going to see what the Lord is saying. We're going to kind of go through it, and then I'm going to take you guys over to 1 Kings, and then also there's another cross-reference up there that's Ephesians 2. 14 through 17, which is really going to give light to the latter part of that statement. But Haggai 2, verses 8 and 9, it just says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Doesn't really seem like there's a whole lot there. He's talking about former glory, latter glory, all that stuff, peace, you know. But there's, there's some things in here that I think we need to, we need to understand uh, about the former glory. Now, I've been putting out in front of you guys about Solomon's temple. That's what, he's, that's what he's referring to, Solomon's temple. This thing was massive. So in order for us to compare the two, former glory, latter glory, I want us to get a good understanding of what the former glory was. Because I'm only, well, let's, I'm only 30 years old, right? So sometimes my pop gets up here and he talks about, you know, the former glory, the glory days. Hey, I don't know if I really had, if I'm old enough to refer back to the glory days. But I will say this, college football does some things to you. You know what I'm saying? Wake up in the morning and stuff hurts. So there's, there's former glory, you know, that we have physically. Let's look at First Kings 6, starting off in verse 15. And this is specific to Solomon's temple. It starts to list some things about this place. Now, it gives dimensions. It talks about cubits. It talks about it was so high and so long and and, um, so wide. To put it into terms for you guys to understand today, feet, this thing, uh, I think I, 
write this down. The outer glory of this thing, and uh, we're going to look at some, some scripture in here. Um, they go through the description of the temple in some 38 verses, 1 through 38. I'm not going to read all of that. We're going to pick some of that stuff out just so that we can see it. But to put it into terms where you guys can understand, this thing was about 180 feet long. That's, that's you know, pretty long. 60 feet wide. And in some places, it was as tall as 50 feet. Now, in my research of this place, it said that at its highest point, it was 207 feet tall. Now, to get an idea of what that looks like, the Hilton, like one, one story is about 10 feet, give or mi- plus or minus some, you know, feet because of stuff in between. I could go off into the construction part of it, but I would bore you guys with that. So just think about one story being about 10 feet. So this thing is anywhere from 18 to 20 feet, excuse me, 18 to 20 stories high. Guess how high the Hilton is? About nine stories. It's about 10 stories because that first little... You know, it was about 20 feet on the first, the first floor. So let's take the Hilton and let's double it. That's how big this thing is. It's enormous. And that was at its highest point. Other places, it was 50, it was 60, it was this, it was that. But nonetheless, it was massive. And thinking about the building of this temple in that time, my goodness. That was unbelievable. So we're looking at Haggai, and the Lord is saying to his people, look, the present glory of this house is going to outweigh the latter. Excuse me. The latter is going to outweigh the former. I got to say that right. The latter is going to outweigh the former. Well, in uh, First Kings, I want you to just turn to verse, look at verse 20 through 22. Again, there's a bunch of details. He, he talks about what's been built inside the temple, outside the temple. And then he says this. Solomon, so he overlaid the interior with gold. And he also overlaid with gold the altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary. In the inner sanctuary, um, excuse me, I started off in 22. I got to go back to 20. Got to be reading the right verse here, son. All right, verse 20. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 wide, 20 high. He overlaid the inside with pure gold. And he also laid the altar of seed, overlaid the altar of cedar. Solomon covered the inside of the temple with pure gold and he extended gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary, which was overlaid with gold. So he overlaid the whole interior with gold. He also overlaid with gold the altar. Guess what he did? He overlaid the entire temple with gold. Oh, my goodness. Whether it was this high, that wide, doesn't matter. Every square inch of that temple had gold on it. Now, when the sun hits that thing, guys, I mean... My goodness. Jump on down to verse 30. Same thing. He also covered the floors of both the inner and the outer rooms of the temple with gold. I just wanted to pick out the the, the scriptures uh, where he basically gives a description of of the magnificence of this, this structure. Now, within each and every one of you guys this morning, God has created a structure. You are his structure. You are his temple. There is no amount, and I said this last week, there's no amount of going to the gym. There's no amount of makeup you can put on. There's no amount of things you can do to make the glory of your own house as magnificent as 
what we're about to talk about in a little bit. You can overlay your life with tons and tons and tons of gold. Another kind of way to put this in perspective for you, in my research of the amount of gold that it took to cover this whole thing, 3,000 tons. One ton is 2,000 pounds. So you do the math. I'm not going to do that up here because I might embarrass myself. All right? But how often do we do that, ladies and gentlemen? How often do we overlay our life with stuff, with jobs, with trying to make money, with trying to do this, that, and the other thing? And guess what? It's glorious. I mean, women, the things that you guys do to make yourself glorious, like, keep doing it. Amen. Hallelujah. Men, we do the same thing. Not to the extent that women can because we're just, you know, lesser of human beings. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But I'm just saying there's, there's a lot that we do, and it, it is glorious. I don't want to take the fact that the Lord has given us these things to do to make ourselves look better, whatever it is, and throw them off the table. It's not that. It's that the glory has got to be put in its proper place. Amen? So there's all this glory, this, this temple, this, this magnificent structure. And I want to I make a side note right here. I was going to do this later on. But where is that temple now? Gone. Right? 3,000 tons of gold, gone. wonder where it went, but still. And guess what happened to the temple afterwards? The second one, it's gone. There was a third one that's built. Guess what? It's gone. So... As much as we try to build this glorious, magnificent thing that we want to portray and put on, at some point the Lord is going to shake that and it's going to be gone. So what is he saying when he says the latter glory will be greater than the former? What I love about the Lord is that he does it so simply in his explanation. He does it so quick. And it's one word. Okay, before, yeah, before we jump on to that, there's another point that I, I kind of want to make with this former, excuse me, with this, uh, yeah, the former glory. All of what I just got done explaining was what? The outside, right? So you're thinking to yourself, and Bob, real quick, Bob, can you mute the uh, piano amp for me? There's a buzz. I'm sorry. It's making me crazy. Anyway, so all of what I got done explaining is this outer glory. Right? So what about the inner glory of the temple, the former, the former temple? See, there was things about this temple that they put in there that people assumed gave it its glory. Now, this trails and this, this points towards what we do as, as Christians in the realm of Christian things. Okay, let me, let me read for you the things that were on the inside of the temple. There was an outer glory of this temple and there was an inner glory. Solomon's temple possessed some important things. First of all, there's, there's four of them. It, it possessed the Ark of the Covenant, which housed the Ten Commandments. Pretty important things, you think? <laughs> so, in essence, the uh, part of the inner glory of the temple was the law. 
Now, there is two other things that I just want to put out here. Um, I don't want it to become a history lesson. But there was the Urim, U-R-I-M, and the Thummim. Now, what these things represents, the Hebrew translations of those two words was light and perfection, which means put together perfect light. In my study, these were objects fastened to the breastplate of the high priest and were representative of the revelatory communication with God in times of serious need of serious guidance. So they were they were objects that were, I don't know, glued, whatever, to the breastplate of the um, the high priest so that he could communicate with God. Now, there's there's a there's a. Uh, a revelatory aspect of that communication that was put on the high priest so that people could communicate with the Lord. It wasn't an individual thing. It was more of, hey, here's this high priest doing that. Now, there's more to that. But the other thing that was on the, in the inner sanctuary was the fire from heaven. And if you turn to Second Chronicles 7, 1 through 3, it just explains this real quick. And I want to get these things in here because I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Yeah, Second Chronicles 7. And it helps, it helps explain what this fire from heaven was talking about. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, His love endures forever. So there's a glory that entered the temple after Solomon had prayed. The last thing is the Shekinah glory. And Shekinah, the interesting thing about this word Shekinah is that it's not in Scripture. It's a word that um, the Jews came up with to categorize it being simply a dwelling place for the Lord. So here's four things that people set up. Not people. God set up the Ten Commandments. But there's a couple of those things that are in, inside of this temple that point toward it being glorious as well. All right. So, good. Done with that. That's the part that I don't necessarily like, the history lesson. Let's turn back over to Haggai real quick. I want to show you the connection with all this stuff. So, as we kind of go back and look at 1 through 9. And a little bit into, into chapter 1. What the Lord had to do with his people is he had to change their perspective in some things. He basically said, look, in chapter, all of chapter 1, that first prophecy was saying, here's your heart. Here's what's going on. How's that working out for you? They changed their heart, and then all of a sudden the Lord shows up, and he stirs them up. So he begins stirring them up, and after that, he says, I know how you think. I know that what you're going to do is you're going to compare. You're going to compare what's being built now, <coughs> excuse me, to what was built back then. So what I'm going to tell you to do is I'm going to tell you to take courage. I'm going to tell you to take courage because my nature is to shake the nations. 
And when I shake the nations, that which can be shaken will be shaken. And that which cannot be shaken will remain. So what I'm doing with you is I'm shaking all of that old stuff out so that my kingdom can be established. That brings us all the way up to verse 9. Now what he wanted to shake away was that outer glory and what has been established as an inner glory. What does that mean for us this morning, that inner glory? See, coming to church on a Sunday morning, that's not it. Wednesday night Bible study, that's not it. Um, we could go down the line of, of all of these things that seem like they're good, seem like they're good Christian things to do. But even at that, the Lord is trying to shake that away. He's trying to make sure that that is not the basis of why we do what we do. So the entire book of Haggai, the Lord's like moving things off the table and trying to get these things out of the way so that he can make a statement. He's talked about the outer glory. He's talked about the inner glory. And we get to a place where we see that these things are this. They're incredible, but they're not indestructible. Now, I'm going to read verse 9b here. And I really want to get to this point because this is, the, this is the crux of this whole thing. The beginning of verse 9, I'm just going to read it again. The glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord God Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Mighty. See, what the Lord does in one simple sentence is the Lord transitions with the second part of this verse. And in this, he says, in this place, I will give peace. Now, he's not necessarily saying specifically the temple as much as he's talking about all of Jerusalem. He's going to give all of Jerusalem peace. Now, again, the Lord's character all through the book of Haggai, is to change his people's perspective. Well, he's about to change his people's perspective one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, peace is not something to be obtained. And I want you to hear me when I say this. Peace is not something to get and have and then just sit with. Peace, ladies and gentlemen, is a person. When he says, I want to give this place peace, He's saying, I'm going to give this place Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to hang on to that. Reread that verse. The Lord, excuse me, uh, the glory of this present house will, will be greater than the glory of the former, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant, I will give peace. I will give a person. What he is doing is he's taking all of these things that we have set up on the outer and the inner, and he's replacing them with someone. Okay, what he is doing is he is taking religion off the table, and he's substituting it, replacing it, not substituting because substitute means you got to bring the other thing back, but he's replacing it with a relationship. And that, ladies and gentlemen, speaks to the glory of why, speaks to the why 
speaks to why the glory is greater in the latter, comparatively speaking, to the former. Okay, so what does that mean for you and I this morning? First of all, you guys trucking with me? Good. I, I hope I've done a good job in the past weeks explaining to you guys that the old temple is the old covenant. The new temple is the new covenant. All right. What the Lord wants to do is he wants to renew something in you. And he wants, you t- he wants to take you to a place where the, the religiosity of what you do on a daily basis in your Christian life gets kicked out the door. And we begin or continue to step into seeing peace as a someone, not a something. Seeing our relationship with Christ as just that. It's a relationship and it's not the do's, the don'ts, the this, the that. Does that make sense this morning? Now, to, to, to help me better explain this, the translation of the word peace means wholeness. And turn over to Isaiah 9, 6. And this is, this is scripture, ladies and gentlemen. This is, again, I, I love saying it, that it's not Alex's opinion. It's not what I think. It's not my interpretation. Scripture interprets scripture. But Isaiah 9, 6 is so apropos to this. It says, uh, and this is specific. This is prophecy specific to Jesus coming, the birth of of Jesus. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and that last one, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. So we see that. We see this word peace. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is, is, is why in one word he can say, here's why my house will be glorious. The, the, the glory is in the peace. Okay, so you think about peace, peaceful, not war, all that. No, the glory is in Jesus Christ because the peace is a someone. All right, now let's turn over to the other cross reference, Ephesians 2, 14 through 17. And then we're going to talk about something that I, I don't want to say it's hard for me, but it might be hard for people in here, and it's something that is uncomfortable. And it's something that I think maybe the Lord wants us to step into this morning. Uh, this peace does something. It's the result of peace. Okay, so we've understood that the the, the the difference between the glory of the former and the latter is peace, and peace is a person. Okay, awesome. What does peace do? What does Christ do? What's his character when it comes to this? We're reading in Ephesians 2, 14, and it says, For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh, flesh the enmity which is the law of com- uh, commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. And might, that word right there, reconcile. Reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. 
And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. See, ladies and gentlemen, there's a <laughs> there's something that peace does. And it, it, it does three things through one principle. The principle is reconciliation. That's a big word. I don't know if anybody in here has ever been hurt by someone. <laughs> no? Okay, wow. A great church. Have you ever been in a place where somebody literally like ripped your heart out of your chest, threw it on the ground, stomped on it, cut it up, spit on it, lit it on fire. Now you can go through your mind and think about those things. The enemy has done everything he possibly can to kill and destroy you. And what does that do? It, when we don't have the right perspective on spiritual warfare, that you're not, you're not fighting people, you're fighting the enemy but if you have this perspective that you're fighting people, what it does is it causes you to look at your brother a little, little cockeyed. And there's some stuff in there. This morning there might be some stuff that we need to get out. But this thing called reconciliation, this principle, peace, Christ, he does three things when it comes to this word. First of all, he reconciles God to man. How did he do that? Through his blood sacrifice on the cross. <laughs> what does that get rid of? Those weird words, the Urim and the Thummim and being able to communicate with the Lord and that only being something that the high priest can do. Uh, all that gets pitched out the window. Why? Because peace comes in and he says, you know what? I want to speak directly to you. And what I want to do is I want to bridge the gap. There's sin, but I want to bridge it. And I'm going to bridge it by dying on the cross. The second thing that he does, peace in reconciliation, your heart get reconciled to God. So first, God's reconciled to man. There's communication there. He can, he can talk to you. But the second thing that happens, ladies and gentlemen, he reconciles your heart with him. If there's ever a time where you don't believe that he's real, <laughs> guess what? His peace brings a reconciliation right back to him. He is that reconciliation. Now, we're going to look at scripture that, that supports what I'm, about to, what, what I'm saying here. The last thing, and this is a tough one, um, tough one for me. It has been in the past. The Lord's brought me through this in some stuff. But you then are reconciled from man to man. Now, that seems so simple. He says the latter glory will be greater than the former. Why? Because everything will be reconciled back to him. And guess what? The rest of it, you don't have to worry about it. You'll be reconciled to God. God's reconciled to you. And you won't want to go slap your friend in the face. <laughs> I have had an issue with keeping people at double arm's length. You will think you'll get close to me, but you won't. I'll let you think that. I mean, that's something that. Okay, the Lord has delivered me from. Don't think that when you come in and you say hi to me that <laughs> I'm like, hey, putting on this face. Good pastor guy, but I'm not really going to get to know you. It's not that. He has broken that down because that's where his glory is. And he wants us to be a part of that glory. Now, let me, let me read, let me read uh, uh, Colossians 1. 
120, and it'll bring light, bring more light to this. Actually, I'm going to start on verse 16. I'm going to start in verse 15. He is the image of the visible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything you might have the supremacy. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And here it is, verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There it is right there, ladies and gentlemen. What I want so much for us this morning is to understand the difference between this latter glory and this former glory. And it's so simple. The glory is in his peace. And he is peace. He is the prince of peace. What's the product of that? What happens after that? There's a reconciliation with God to you from you to God, which I think is huge. I think it's big. And then from man to man. See, this morning, the Lord might want you to reconcile some stuff with him. He might be calling you out on that one this morning. But all of that is what makes his house glorious. Guess, guess where his dwelling place is? <laughs> all these people sitting in these, these chairs right now is right in here. So he, it goes from the church house, the brick and mortar, the, the stuff that we do, the religiosity to a relationship to being able to communicate with him every single part of the day. And it gives you peace. So ladies and gentlemen, you will be able to war in the spirit because you have peace. You have the prince of peace and he's got everything taken care of. It's under control. You're reconciled to him. He's reconciled to you. You don't have anything against your brother and your sister. Excuse me, your sister. This morning, yeah, let's get the, can I have the worship team come back up here? And the, uh, let's get prepared for our offering. What I feel like the Lord is, is putting on me right now is, is the, the reconciliation part from us to God. There may, there may be some things in your life that you may not understand. There may be some things in your life that you are mad at God for in this very moment. You, you may not be. But, but here's what the Lord is telling me this morning. We're going we're gonna to jump into this worship. And there's a reconciliation. There's a coming back to Christ in some areas that I think that he wants to open up. And we're going to let the Spirit do that this morning. Let's uh, let's have the offering come up here. You guys can go ahead and pray or uh, play. Heavenly Father, as we as we jump into this this morning, Lord.
We want to understand this bookend. We want to understand this final thought that you're giving us, that you, you bring us through all of this stuff. Lord, and then you say to us, this is who I am. Sometimes that, that, that might be what you're doing right now in our life. You're bringing us through all this stuff, Lord, and everything is falling away. You're shaking. You're, you're letting things fall off. And then you're saying to us, this is who I am. If you speak to us according to who we are, you speak to us according to who you are, Lord. And you are the Prince of Peace this morning. You are always the Prince of Peace, Lord. But what that does, God, is it unwraps us. It takes us to a place where we can't do it on our own anymore. Heavenly Father, I just pray for this, this offering, Lord, as we... As this, uh, these baskets go around, Lord, that whatever is in our heart, whatever is in our heart to give, Lord Jesus, that you would bless that. It doesn't matter the amount. It doesn't matter what, what gets put in there. But, Lord, I pray that we can use this for your service. So, Lord, bless the offering. Just bless this time in that, in Jesus' name. But, Lord, you're, you may be asking us. Just go ahead and pass that. You guys uh Lord, you may be asking us to, to, to step into a reconciliation this morning with you. And so, Lord, as we sing this song, as we sing this worship song, God, I pray that the, the, the spirit would, would move in this place. And if there are hearts that are broken, if there are hearts that are, that are hurting, Lord, you're simply trying to say one thing to us this morning. This is who I am. It's okay. You can step into this this morning. So let's go ahead and stand to our feet. I'm going to open up this altar. And if there's something on you, if there's something that you just need to get right before the Lord and say, God, I need your peace. I need to be able to war in the spirit. I need to be able to take the right steps. But there's something there. I just don't understand. I just don't get it. Now is the time to get that right. So let's go ahead and let's, let's sing the song and let the Spirit do His thing this morning.